This is episode 34 of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. Welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast, conversations with women who have found creative ways to travel more. I'm your host, Jet Set Lizette, and I've been able to make dream travel a reality by racking up airline miles and hotel points, saving over $100,000 in travel costs. But that's just one way to travel more. Hearing how others have made travel a priority is a great way to get ideas and get inspired. This podcast is going to help you become the globetrotter you've always wanted to be by bringing you valuable tips, resources, and insights from seasoned travelers. Today, I'm talking with Samantha Nelson from thosecrazynelsons.com, a great travel blog with lots of tips for family travel. And her claim to fame is that she took a leap in 2014, along with her husband. They sold their home, and without a lot of planning, They went on this crazy adventure for a year, traveling mostly domestically with two small children. That journey set their entire lives on a new course. So she's going to be sharing about what sparked her love of travel, what happened as she got older with travel, and ultimately how she ended up getting stuck and feeling stuck in her career, and how she and her husband decided to take this leap and travel for a year. She's also going to share what she's gained from the experience and how it changed her life. It's a great conversation. But before we dig in, I want to make sure I tell you that this episode is sponsored by Wonderful, an organization near and dear to my heart. You've heard me talk about the Women in Travel Summit that they put on every year and that I've been to twice. They also have other great events like organized trips for women. They have Wanderfest that happens every year. There's so much that they do, and it's such a great community with so many resources, including home sharing among women travelers. So if you're a solo traveler, if you're a mom who loves to travel, any kind of woman traveler, definitely check them out. You can find out more about the Women in Travel Summit at WIT summit.com w-i-t summit.com you also can just join the community and that's at community.she'swonderful with an a.com get in there find out what they've got and you'll see me in there too so i hope to see you in the community or maybe even at the women in travel summit next year in may 2020 all right so without further ado let's dive into the interview All right. Well, welcome, Samantha. It's great to have you here with me today. I'm so glad you could join me. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And I know we both, you know, have been navigating some challenges to make this happen. Tech, family, and other stuff. I mean, you know what? It's not (laughs) worth doing unless you're conquering massive barriers to get to it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And it's all worth it. So thank you for the effort. And I'm patting myself on the back for whatever effort I did too. So here we are. Yes. Feels great. So let's get into this great story that you have. And first of all, let me just say, I'm talking to you while you are in Nashville, right? That's where you live. That's right. That's where we're home-based. We've been here for about four years now. Wow. Great. And I know we'll talk more about that later. First, we're going to dig into your travel story. And that starts way back, I'm guessing, maybe when you were younger. I don't know. I'd love to hear what got you going with travel. What sparked the interest in travel? Where did that begin? 
That's such a great question. I grew up in Hawaii. So being on an island, there wasn't a lot of traveling. You know, when you can go to the other side of the island in about 45 minutes, you don't really get a travel bug. And when I was in sixth grade, I had a friend who she was an only child. And so her family was going to go to Europe and they wanted her to have a friend come along. And my mom, who was a single mom, never thought that she could ever send any of us to Europe, kind of jumped at the chance. And so she scrounged her pennies and I still don't to this day know how she afforded it. But she bought me a flight and it was $3,000 to get from Hawaii to Europe. Wow. And of course they covered all, you know, they covered the hotel and all that stuff. But I mean, that's a lot for a single mom to come up with that. That's a lot. But she did it. And I remember it was the longest plane ride I had been on. You know, it felt like we were flying for days and I saw snow at the top of Zook's pits. I think it was Austria. Wow. And it just kind of rocked my world. It was like, amazing. And I remember that being the first travel experience that I was just like in awe and wonder that there was a whole other world out there because obviously it doesn't snow in Hawaii. Okay. And it does snow on the big island at the very, very top of the mountain, but I lived in Oahu, so we never got snow on our island. Wow. But yeah, that was my first kind of uh, experience with wanderlust, I guess. Yeah. And it looks like it didn't really leave after that. Yeah, it didn't. (laughs) So what happened next as you got older? Did you continue to travel when you could or what did it look like after that first experience? So um, I was married to someone who was in the military. And so we traveled every, you know, two or three years. And in that experience, I lived in upstate New York and I lived in Seattle. I was able to live in Wiesbaden, Germany for a few years. And I put my daughter in German school And that was an experience. She was like six years old and I didn't know any German. She didn't know any German. And and I just thought this would be so great for her. And she's at this age where their brains are spongy and they can pick up all kinds of, you know, language. And she went there four months, no joke, was fluent in German. Wow. Amazing. It was so amazing. But anyway, spent three years there and loved it and just had such a great experience with living overseas. And it took me about six months to kind of not be homesick for the U.S. And then by the time I was there and ready to come back to the U.S., I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to <laughs> leave Europe. I loved it so much. Bet. And so then it was hard coming back. It was a little bit of culture shock coming back. So I've traveled kind of that way for a while. And then, yeah, and then I stopped for a bit. Okay. And when you were there in Europe, were you, did you say you were traveling, like doing side trips and things too? Or were you just mostly, you know, stationed in one place and staying in one place? Yeah, I was doing whatever side trips I could do on my own a lot of the time myself and my daughter. And then um, also they've got little like bus tours that take everywhere. So then I did a couple of those like follow the flag tours. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hey, whatever works. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those can be good. Yeah. Okay. So then you came back and you had to readjust to life here. And then you said there was kind of a, a gap where you weren't traveling. So tell me what life became like at that point. So life became working. I had gone to school to work in education. And so then I dug in and then it became time to build the career and climb the ladder and work 10 to 12 hour days. You kind of never see your kids and, you know, work all day and come home and do some homework with your kids and put them to bed and then wake up the next morning and go back to work and do it all over again. 
And I did that for about a decade until it just about broke me. Not because of its hard work, but because it just was work that wasn't feeding my soul. And, you know, I wish that we talked to younger kids about that when they're choosing careers, you know, when they're choosing college majors, when they're at that age where they're like, what do I want to do? I wish that instead of saying, you know, get a job that makes enough money, we're talking to them about do something that makes you feel alive. And so having been raised, I'm a daughter of an immigrant who came from Haiti and my mom never went to college. So for them, it was like, be a doctor, be a lawyer, do something, go to college and then get a job. And so I did that. And I found out that that life wasn't all that it's cut out to be. And so I ended up leaving that kind of midstream, midway up the ladder, and everybody thought I was nuts. Hence the name of your blog, right? Hence the name of our blog, Those Crazy Nelsons, because when people saw, when people heard that I was leaving my career after I was vested and I was on the retirement track, I was, you know, rising the ladder and doing very well. And um, people thought, you're crazy. You're giving up your medical insurance. You're giving up your retirement. What's the deal? And so people were saying, God, those Nelsons, they're crazy. <laughs> those crazy Nelsons. So that, yeah. So what was, you had more kids at this point, right? Yes. So what was the situation? How many kids? What was going on? Yeah. So by this time, I had three kids. Um, my youngest two are about 14 months apart. So they were pretty close. And my husband, who I'm still married to, <laughs> but at that time, he was running a nonprofit. And then 2009 hit and just the economy tanked. And so the nonprofit had to close. So he ended up staying home with the kids while I work. Wow. And he did that for four years. And every day I cried on the way to work, no joke, having to leave them being so young. And I just, my heart wanted to be home with them. And so I was miserable and sick and, you know, for those four years when he was home with the kids and I really wanted to be home with them instead, but I was the breadwinner and God, he did such an amazing job with them. And it was a beautiful time where he got to do something that I don't think a lot of dads get to do, you know, which is stay home and really be with them. And so he blossomed during that time and he found that to be a real precious time with the kids. So I think it had a purpose. But then by that time, by about the fourth year, I was like, I'm done. I'm done crying on the way to work. I want to do something about it. And the pain of risking that thing, the pain of like, maybe this won't work out, became less than the pain of actually staying and not trying to change. Yeah. Do you know, like I was more scared of staying one more year in this job that I hated living this life where I was crying on a Sunday night because I had to go back to work on a Monday. I was more scared of staying in that than leaving and maybe things blowing up and not working out. You know, yeah. I felt like I could recoup after that. But to sit and not do something about what I was feeling, that felt more scary to me. So how did travel begin to fit into that? Because you could have said, you know what, I'm done. Tell your husband, it's time for you to, I don't know, I don't know if there's a job out there, but you're going to do something. You're going to drive an Uber. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going home. But somehow travel entered into this storyline where you're like, we're leaving for a year. Yeah. We're out. Yeah. So how did that happen? A very haphazardly. People ask me, how did you plan this life? I'm like, I didn't. I did, really didn't. I was really seat of my pants making decisions every morning. So we thought, okay, I'm going to come home. My husband's going to get a job and we probably need to downsize. So that way we don't have, we, we can lessen our financial burdens. 
So we put our house on the market, kind of not knowing quite what we were going to do, maybe move into an apartment or buy something smaller. And our house never sold. And it was on the market. I had left my job at this time and he was working some odd jobs to, you know, make it. And the house was for sale. And we had to keep it nice and neat and show it. And we did that for like eight months. Wow. Something crazy. And finally, we woke up and we said, forget it. It's not going to sell. Let's just, we're making it. Let's just stay in it. And no joke, like two or three days later, the realtor said, you have an offer. What? <laughs> we were going to pull it off the market. Oh my gosh. After all that time. And then when we decided, no, nah, let's just keep it. We had an offer. Huh. So we didn't know what we were going to do because we, we didn't have a backup plan at that point. We didn't know where we were going to go. So we started searching on Trulia and trying to find work. Where are we going to move to? And our time was ticking down. We had 30 days and it was, it was kind of a panic moment. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And I kind of just woke up one morning and he went to work and I was like, what if we don't buy a house? What if we just take all the money that we used for mortgage and electricity and homeowners insurance and all that pot of money every month? And what if we just like tried to travel? Huh. And it was this like, could we do that? Is that even something people <laughs> do? We didn't have a camper. We didn't have an RV. We didn't have a life savings that people do to save up for that kind of stuff. We were just like, is that possible? That was the seed. Amazing. And how, how old were your kids at this point? They were three and four. Okay. And and you had an, another child too, an older daughter? Yes. So she was just heading into college. Okay. So she wasn't going to be as big of a factor, right? Like she was going to go off and do her own thing. Right. She was kind of like, peace out, y'all. Yeah. You head out. <laughs> Good luck. I'm going to college. <laughs> yeah. She said, that sounds nuts. <laughs> you know, it sounds nuts when you're, you know, teen, yeah. college bound person says you're crazy. Okay. Yeah, right. So, okay. So you've got two young children that you're going to have with you. And you're like, we're just going to do this. We don't really have a plan. But we're just going to go for it. So how did that materialize? What happened? Yeah. So Angus in that time ended up getting a job where he could work remotely and, and he had to do a conference the next month in San Diego. So he was going to be in San Diego. And I said, well, what if we just tagged along? We ended up finding an Airbnb that rented us for the entire month, because when you stay in Airbnbs, you can really negotiate the price with the homeowners. We found a condo for the entire month in San Diego for $1,200. Sweet. And we were like, well, let's do it. That's less than what our mortgage was at that time. And we could afford it. And so we, we all went out there. I think we used some miles and we were a sight to see. <laughs> Because at that point, we didn't know anything about traveling lightly or condensing. So I think we each had two giant suitcases. We had two car seats. When we got to San Diego, we had to get like an XL, XL, XL Uber. The guy was <laughs> like, dude, like, are you moving here? <laughs> You're like, kind of. And it was this, our luggage was falling everywhere as we were trying to walk from the curb up to the condo. I mean, it's hysterical. But we ended up staying there. We didn't have a car. And so we did a lot of public transportation. I didn't have a stroller at that time. So I had to buy a stroller at Target, a double stroller because my kids were still really little. Yep. And we had to walk to the grocery store and, you know, buy like a bag of groceries at a time. It was just living life completely outside of how we think life should be led. 
Um, and that just was like shaking us up and it was really fun and exhilarating and really scary at the same time, but we were doing it. We were making a life that we wanted to make and that felt really fun. Wow. So you went off and started this new adventure without much of a, you know, plan. I know some families do this and they kind of really map it out, but that's not where you were coming from. So how did you decide where to go next? And what did your ongoing travel for that year look like? Was it domestic? Was it international? Was it both? Um, so at the, so then we started saying, well, who do we know that's in the area that we want to visit or that, you know, my mom was in Arizona. So we were in San Diego. So we ended up, st- you know, staying like three weeks with her. So that kind of offset some costs. And then we would look for cheap tickets or cheap Airbnbs. We looked where was it off season where we could, you know, find better deals. So we ended up staying in Florida in Clearwater Beach when it was off season with the snowbirds. We ended up going to Aruba for a month, which was amazing. Yeah, it just we we went all over went up to Wisconsin, we stayed with his parents for a few weeks. And yeah, we went we went all over for that year. And never knowing where. So we we would arrive in a place and we would have just those couple of weeks to decide where we were going next. So a spontaneous kind of like, let's just see where the path leads us, that that became the lifestyle. That's it. And what were some of the challenges in that? I mean, it sounds like a lot of freedom. What were some of the challenges? So by the end of that year, we realized we missed community. You know, when you move to a new place like that, you don't know anyone. You're always in unfamiliar territory. And sometimes that can, you know, we didn't have a church that we could go to. We didn't have a community built of friends who we could say, hey, let's go have coffee or something. So by the end of the year, one of the biggest challenges where we were really missing the connection of community. Okay. Yeah. Did you find ways to plug in in some way? Like what were some of the things you did to sort of counter that feeling of missing that? So I really wanted to live like a local wherever I went. And so those couple of months traveling really taught me to meet people, to talk to people, to ask them about their community and their neighborhoods and what to do in the city. So it taught me to reach out. I would put my kids in like a gymnastics class for a month so that they could have a sense of also a little bit of stability so they could have familiarity. And so that was neat because we could meet some people. My kids took a karate class, you know, for a month when we were traveling. Those were the ways that we would try and tap into community wherever we were. That's great. That's a great tip, actually, because I think even when people travel, maybe not a whole year, but they go somewhere for three weeks or a month, um, sometimes there's that feeling of, wait, what do I do? I don't know that once it's longer than your typical tourist trip. And I've heard um, some of my guests talk about doing things like, well, sign up for class. Like you don't think about that. Like, oh, you could go to yoga every week like you would at home or you could go take an art class or, you know, and then you'll meet people (laughs) like, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And we really we really became savvy at finding those free classes if they have free yoga at the library, I mean, and, you know, finding all of those opportunities that weren't very expensive at all, but it got us to tie into people. Great. So, um, and you went to Aruba, did you go anywhere else that was off the mainland here? Or, you know, what other places did you go? 
mostly within the United States? Mostly within the United States. And that was only because the job that my husband was working for at that time told him he couldn't leave. Because when we went to Aruba, the Wi-Fi connection was so iffy Oh, yeah. overseas. And he was doing webinars and that kind of thing that it would have been too much of a hindrance for work. So I really was trying to push the limit and go to Europe because I thought once we get there, we can stay there for a while. Yes. <laughs> and go all over, but work didn't allow us to, so... We can't say anything bad about traveling our own country. It's huge, first of all. And there's a lot of amazing places. And I think it's so easy to forget that when we talk about travel. It's easy, you know, I feel like as Americans, we're often like, we got to go out there. We got to go far away. And it's like, wait a second. So there's true. some really beautiful places here. And it would take us a year or more to go see them. More than a year. Yeah. Take way more than a year to go see them all. So, you know, I think it's a good plug for like travel can be domestic <laughs> and it can be great, yeah. <laughs> you know. So what was your greatest travel experience? I mean, I know it's probably hard to pick one, but do you have some memory of that year that really stands out to you as something special, meaningful or fun or something? Yeah, I think it was when we were in Aruba. That was a very interesting experience because we didn't know anything about the culture or the language. Dutch and Papiamento, these were languages that I had just never, I don't have any grid for at all. And so the language barrier was tough And when we first got there. So there was a little bit of acclimating that we had to do and being uncomfortable in that acclimating and understanding that that's really just part of travel and you just got to roll with it instead of fight it. So I remember we were sitting on the beach one day and maybe it was about the second or third weekend and we had finally just settled into you know, we understood, we made some friends and we had been in the, on the island for a while. So we felt a little bit more comfortable and we were sitting on the beach at sunset. I picked my husband up from his cafe where he was working and we took the kids and we went to the beach and the kids were still young, maybe four and five by this time. And they got on their little snorkels and their little, their little swim wings. <laughs> and they just went out and started snorkeling in the shallow and I remember sitting there thinking, and we were eating dinner, and the dinner that night was spaghetti in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you're traveling and you're on a budget. So yep. that's real life, right? So we have cold spaghetti in a Ziploc bag, and I'm eating it out with, of my bag with a fork. And I'm watching these little kids who can't hardly swim, but they're snorkeling. And I'm like, what is this life I'm living? I don't even understand how I got here but I'm super grateful. Do you know, it was like that moment when it just was like, thank you that I'm like, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude that I could have been sitting in a cubicle, hating life and wondering how did you make changes? And I just took some risks and it seemed to people like it was irresponsible or whatever, but somehow it worked out. And I was just sitting on the beach thinking, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude and I wouldn't change it for a heartbeat. And this cold spaghetti is going to be just fine. <laughs> Do you know? Best meal ever. Yeah. Best meal ever. <laughs> love it. I love that story. Well, and that kind of leads naturally into my next question, which is how has that experience of just leaving for a year, how did that change you internally? What did that do for you? It made me realize 
not to be so afraid to just let go of the way I think life needs to be led. You know, like I feel like fear holds us back a lot. Fear of what other people will think or fear of circumstances not working out. I think that that keeps us from taking chances or seeing opportunities and we end up missing that. And what we don't ever count on is that sometimes they work out. Or that sometimes if things don't work out, you're not going to crumble, like you'll just rebuild. So it changed me in the sense where I'm not that afraid to take a risk and to not have it work out because I know that you can just start over. Do you know, so last year we ended up selling our house and that was a massive life change for us. We had a great house in Nashville. The market was skyrocketing. So it, it was a time to sell, but it was really hard to get back in the market. But we thought we were going to sell and we were going to downsize and pay off debt. And it just seemed counterintuitive. You know, like, it's not smart. How are you going to get back in the market? How are you going to have a house again? And it was one of those things that I probably wouldn't have done had I not done this other thing so long ago. I just knew, okay, if this doesn't work out, we'll just rebuild. Like, it's okay. We have each other. We have the things that matter. Let's just try it. And so we downsized into a two-bedroom apartment. We ended up paying off debt and it worked out. And it was hard, but it worked out. And just recently in June, we bought a house again. So, hey, yay, we were able to get back in the market somehow. All good. I don't know. It worked out. And now we're starting an Airbnb. So it just is like, look at where life can go when you just try, when you just let go and just try, you know? It's amazing. So I love that. And and you just to kind of get put a timeline on this, your year of travel was in 2014. Mm-hmm. right? Then you came back and you bought a house sounds like Yep, we bought a house in Nashville. Yep. We, and then you were there for a while. And then last year you sold we were there for three years, we sold and then we um, lived in an apartment for 2018. And then we bought this house in 2019. Yeah. So I mean, like, wow. you know, the Nelsons are crazy. <laughs> it's official. The last five years show it. It is official. People are like, what are you doing now? I cannot keep track of the things you are doing now. Which is perfect. Once again, to my next question, what are you doing now? You know, you're not doing your other career. You left that. So what are you doing now for work? And I know you offer some things on your blog. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I homeschool the kids. I homeschool my youngest two kids and that is a full-time job. And I teach some classes in their co-op. So I do that as well. Uh, my side hustles are many. I do some travel writing and so destinations will bring us in and we tell travel stories and we help other families by taking the trip and then telling them our advice and telling them, you know, a good itinerary for folks. I have started writing travel stories for the Nashville area. So Nashville travelers that live in this area and the surrounding areas around Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia, I write travel stories for them and tell them where to go on the weekend. So let's, you can't leave your job. You can't, you know, you've got to work a nine to five. I get that. I completely understand, but you can still travel on the weekends. And so I write stories to tell folks where to go on the weekends. And we bought this house and we're opening an Airbnb. We're having our first guest next week. Fantastic. I mean, like we are so scared and so excited at the same time. (laughs) That's great. But we are jumping into the world of Airbnb because we're all about, you know, using your resources to the fullest and um, making money where you can with your resources. Yeah. And then I'm starting a, along with two other travelers, I'm starting a business called Tourism Works. 
where we are bridging the gap between destinations and brands and travel content creators. And we are bringing them together to have conversations about how we can be more efficient in the tourism industry and what ways we can partner better together to bring travel stories out to travelers. So, I mean, side hustles wow. galore, girl. Yes, I relate to that. I'm also another queen of side hustles. But yes, but I love your side hustles. They're very creative and sound amazing. I'm going to be following everything you're doing. Um, I especially love how that, it feels like that one year, like you said, it shook something loose. Like it just, it just kind of knocked things off the regular path. And now you're freed up to do a lot of different things and think differently about life. What a gift. That's it. Yeah. That's beautiful. So do you have any tips for, or, well, you've been giving tips and advice all along, but any specific advice for others who are wanting to take a leap into either something like a year of travel or just take a leap into more travel? You know, they're thinking that's too hard. It's, it's hard to get going. Any kind of final advice? Um, yeah, I think the hardest time is trying to get going. You know, I think that people think it's always going to be that hard, but it is a real uphill battle to make that change, to do whatever it is to bump you off the trajectory. That is a tough road, but then it gets easier after that. So there's a window where it's tough. And if you can keep pursuing and being persistent through that, it's going to be easier. And the ability to make changes, I feel in, in our adult lives is like a muscle, like you got to work it. You got to work that muscle and make changes and like be limber in life. Do you know what I mean? And I think if we work that muscle and we keep trying and push through that resistance, that resistance is real and it's real tough. It comes real strong when you've decided you want to make a change. There's like, there's resistance. If you can push through that, man, it's smooth sailing. Love it. Well, you've given me things to think about. As you're saying that, I was like, yeah, I know I can do that. You're giving me some thoughts. <laughs> you can. Because I'm like, I'm not ready to do the big move to the other country yet. Although I kind of am, but I've got reasons not to that are yeah. valid. Like my dad's health is declining anyway. Yeah. But like you said, when you said about staying limber, it made me think of like, yeah, you got to stretch. You got to keep working those muscles. And so I'm like, I can practice. That's right. Why does it have to be all or That's nothing? Right. Why can't it be like, I'm going to spend a month in Portugal to see if I want to live there a year? Absolutely. And that's limbering myself up. That's it. <laughs> so thank you for that. And please share where we can find you so that, you know, others can follow along on your adventures as well. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. Um, those crazy Nelsons. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and um, I'm on Instagram. I, my personal photography is on Instagram at Mrs. MRS underscore Samantha Nelson. And Tourism Works, that's going to be our next big venture. Tourism Works, W-O-R-X, because we have to be difficult. Uh, <laughs> so follow us there. Yeah, we're excited. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today. I've loved talking with you. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. And I know we'll keep in touch. Want to check out the links that Samantha mentioned during this episode? Head over to the show notes at jetsetlazette.com forward slash episode 34. That's jetsetlazette.com forward slash episode 34. And Lizette is spelled L-I-S-E-T-T-E. 
And just my usual reminder that if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. It helps me grow the show. Spreading the word is where it's at. It really makes a difference for me. So thanks so much for tuning in and getting some travel inspiration. I'll be back with more in a couple weeks. Until then, remember, life is short, travel more. 